You've been busy, Irvin. We opened up branches in Denver and Dallas, just like you ordered. Joshua here is running Denver. Eddie and I opened up Dallas a couple of months ago. Yeah, we have a house in a spot where we can do whatever we want. There's someone on guard here. Of course. Where's my brother, Verlin? I bet he's out there right now, planning an attack. Well, we haven't seen him or his followers since we left Mexico. We won't see them either until it's too late. He's out there somewhere. I'm gonna get that son of a bitch first. And blow him up like a balloon. I want him dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew. And I'm Mark. And you are listening uh, to Television Movie Night. Your rock in an uncertain world, Mark. That's what I say. That's how we're billed. That's what the business cards say. It's weird we printed that in 2015, but it seems more true than ever. Yeah, still applicable. Yeah, yeah. We've been saying this for years, and everyone just kind of laughs at it. It's like, ah, but, you know, people want consistency in these uncertain times. And they're, they're, this is, this is no more, this is, we are, we are as constant as the Northern Star. Yes. It's strange. When we printed them, the, uh, your rock in an uncertain time, we meant it in regards to when will we get another Spider-Man reboot? Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. But apparently it still applies for COVID-19 as well. So that was, that was luck. That was dumb luck. I'll come right out and say it. (laughs) Well, I mean, sometimes good fortune smiles on the on the lucky more than the smart. So I, I guess yeah, I guess uh, we, we we can chalk that one up to uh, happenstance, but we'll take the win anyway. Mark, are you excited to see the the absolute um, uh, inspiring bangers that are commercials being rolled out to thank frontline workers during the this pandemic? Uh, I have not seen commercials specifically thanking frontline workers. During this pandemic, uh, I don't want to get up on my crazy Jude Law in Contagion soapbox here, but I think the more that people are like, hey, look, we got to remember, you know, healthcare workers, janitorial crews, they're the heroes. So let's let's just have good vibes out there for them. <laughs> Every time you say that, what you're really saying is, hey, let's let's not remember that this whole situation exists because the president of the United States refused to accept that it was going to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. The thing that I bump against However, more I, is, I, 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 let me just say, let me. Hey. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Mark, Mark's gonna, Mark's gonna just take over this podcast. I, I'm gonna go read a racing form right now. Oh my god, I did see. Uh, I have seen a lot of ads that I really like for um, pizza. Uh, no, Little Caesars, where they're like, so um, you know what's happening. I don't have to say it, but uh, if you want pizza, we got it, and you don't have to f- touch anybody. We got we got twenty more seconds on this ad. I don't know. Show the little guy with the sword. <laughs> pizza, pizza. Slower. Pizza, and we're out of time. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> Mark. Those are the ads that I've seen. Well, the ones that I've seen are like you know we we have to you know thank you to uh, those uh, inspiring people working at Home Depot during the uncertain times. And like, good. That is a good sentiment. I will say that. Like, every like the 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 most insulting thing in all of this is that like six months a year ago, you know, no one could give a fuck about any of these these uh, 
essential workers, even though we can see that how essential they are to how society functions, but people still are like, eh, $12 an hour for minimum wage? What am I made of money? <laughs> These people can take yeah. what they can, they can get. Uh, and now it's like, yeah, we throw them into the buzzsaw because it's like, oh, they're essential workers. But the most insulting thing is, is that the company that owns perhaps the place that they work are like, good job. Thank you. And then when this thing hopefully dissipates in three to six months, uh, those commercials are going to be a fond memory when they come back and they're like, all right, so we've cut your hours in half. And um, uh, yeah, breaks are also... Uh, they are legally mandated, but we've considered ourselves to be a sovereign nation state underneath the uh, building, so uh, you will not be taking those. Yeah, when you take a break, that means you can sit down while working the cash register. That's a break. <laughs> yeah, we're breaking your uh, we're we're breaking your feet from the rest of uh, the, the rest of the work. You, your body parts take separate breaks during your shift. Uh, yeah, it's it never changes. Yeah, it's uh, the system's fucked, man. It's all fucked. It's and then also, yeah, like also Cheesecake Factory, which they were open a billion of these things, like two weeks into this this catastrophe, they're like, oh, guess what? We ain't got no money. We're shutting down. And I'm like, wait, you guys didn't have like six months contingency, like every financial advisor says you're supposed to, or. You just felt like not paying people anymore, or and Andrew, this is this might be blasphemy. Mm. Is it? Is there a value to workers' labor? No, no. Uh, shut it. Cut his mic off. Cut, cut it. That's Mark. Don't even, don't even start. If you're gonna radicalize this podcast because the fundamental tenets and cores of apparently American society and capitalism are coming to the forefront when the slightest thing shakes up any. Any foundation of it? Uh, I mm -mm, no, won't won't have that here. No, you don't want to hear it. Put, take, All right, take that enough. back to the Kremlin, my friend. Yeah, I'll I'll take that to my separate podcast. Uh, things Mark thinks about while he's taking a shower. <laughs> it's usually, do I need exfoliants? Is that good? It's the, the, I, but sometimes I mean, you get a sometimes you get a rant about politics. <laughs> Most of it is like. I don't, I think that, I think that stain on the ceiling had always been there. Is it, is it mold? And then you're like, oh no, it's a SpaghettiO. Oh, that was good. Oh, <laughs> no, Mark, it's, uh, it's the thing that is kind of, uh, uh, concerning to me. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down this. Cause again, people don't turn to this podcast for our hot political views, but it is, it is uh, a little weird that like, you look at everything that's going on and you're just not immediate, immediately, immediately radicalized to be like, everything seems real fucked up and it's been fucked up for a while. And this takes the, uh, you know, the, the drop cloth over it and shows you, it's like, yeah, this is how fucked up it is. We, we, everyone else just kind of leans back and is like, uh, well, when we get back to normal, maybe we'll tackle some of this stuff. I think that, I think that what's happening for a lot of people and there are, you know, you and I know people, white collar people, you and I know people who work in the same industry as us and they still have jobs mm -hmm. and they're still working from home. And I think that their perspective is like, yeah, it's weird. Nothing's changed. Right. <laughs> and we're like, no, well, like people the, are you people are dying and they're like, yeah, I don't see it. Well, the, the most the most egregious one is that, like, when in regards to health care, you have major political candidates now that are like, 
no person who gets COVID-19 should have to pay a medical bill. And you're like, what kind of fucked up lottery is that? That it's like you feel weak and your chest hurts and you're coughing and you have end up going to the hospital in such a very upsetting time to you don't want to like me personally, I don't want to bother any doctors unless I'm literally on death's doorstep because I'm like they they are already it's overtaxed as it is. So if I actually got yes. to that point and I'm like I'm I I feel very ill and they're like good news, you don't have COVID-19. Bad news, it's pneumonia. And then it's like, well, you're still on now you're on the hook for however much it is, $15,000 to treat pneumonia for 60. an overnight stay yeah. in a hospital. So, uh unfortunately your number was not pulled. Uh, you did not get coronavirus, so you do have to pay for all of this. And yeah, it's fucked up. It, you sit back and you're like, well, that's weird. And everyone else is like, well, that's just the way the system works. I'm sorry. And well, it doesn't work. But 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 again, again, three months ago, it's like, how do we pay for it? That's all we could hear. How do we pay for it? How do we pay for it? And now it's like, well, the the, the printers printers going burr. They 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 turn the money machine on, and that's how we're paying for it. Apparently. Yeah, apparently we, the government could have made up any amount of money that they ever wanted to. Where did this $2 trillion come from? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, Andrew, what are we talking about what today? What are we talking about? We're talking about revolution, Mark. Look, I know we can't <laughs> it all... It will not be televised. We, yes. <laughs> because, I can't, because I can't pay my cable bill I, anymore. I can't afford anything. It won't be televised because uh, they, they will not clear our uh, film permit uh, to be in Griffith Park. But it's... Um, it's all we'll we'll come together virtually we'll all show up on the same zoom channel and and do something great the the revolution will not be televised but it will be zoomed yeah you're gonna we're gonna zoom the hell out of this uh tune in turn on zoom out access code nine zero four space three two four space six five two but you don't have to hit the space bar it'll do it automatically yes uh and then if everyone could mute themselves when they come into the zoom channel chat just so we're not hearing like a dog barking or a tv on in the background we'll we'll be taking questions at the at the end of the revolution uh i i've liked the uh the the twitter videos i've seen of like people holding these like group meetings these like team workshop meetings and some guy just like sparking up a, a fucking bong in the middle of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah mutes it and then sparks it up yeah or people walking to the bathroom while uh while they're on these things just not remembering that yeah it's like everyone can see or see you it's that green light is on that's why i'm always it's, it's... i'm always camera ready no matter where i am because i'm just expecting you know just to, to have to to turn on that uh, wonderful hosting charm that i have well, it's, people have wondered why you have a green screen psych behind your toilet. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Someti- someday someone's going to have to zoom me while I'm taking a deuce. And I want to be able to mat in my living room. There's going to be a wonderful, like, a lush waterfall behind me. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about, Mark? We're talking about made-for-TV movies and Revolution. Maybe, maybe a little later. Yes, this is TV Movie Night, your home and resource for made-for-TV movies. Mark, a little bit of uh, TV movie news. It looks like CBS is reviving their Sunday night movie. Oh, are they? Uh, they are showing they're showing re like popular films uh, on on Sundays. I think uh, like Raiders might be coming up. I think that's the first one. Raiders gonna, of the Lost Ark. Yes, they're going to be showing, or it's Holy Grail or something like that. So basically, they're they're. Do they not know that all those movies are on Prime and Disney and 
I think Netflix. I think what they're hoping to do is the the thing that they're hoping to get on is they want to be able to instead of having to let's say Mark instead of having to sync up a movie on Netflix Party or you know count down on Disney Plus and play it all at the same time. What if you were just watching the same broadcast channel and discussing the movie at the same time? Maybe that's something you could do. Oh, that's interesting. AMC, yeah, so they're gonna, they might have like a second screen experience. AMC would do that with uh, Walking Dead when I used to watch that show. They'd be like, is a way to get incentivize you to watch Walking Dead that Sunday night. Right. Or, well, I mean, I think, I think what they're hoping you do is you're like, you see in the newspaper <laughs> that uh, uh, Raiders is coming <laughs> sure. up on Sunday and you're like, oh, that'd be fun. And then you tell your buddies or you tell your parents, you're like, Raiders of the Lost Ark is going to be on TV on Sunday. Let's all watch it together. Assuming you're in the same time zone. Uh, Andrew, a, a, a friend of the show asked me what the last, like, ma- when the last major network uh, TV movies were. And I the I just did a cursory look and I was like, I found one that had Jennifer Love Hewitt in it from the early 2000s. But I feel like it stopped after that. I was like, I'm embarrassed that I don't have the answer to this hmm. question. The most recent major made-for-TV movie on the broadcast networks. Is that your question? Yeah, not not because he was like, do they still make made-for-TV movies? And I was like, well, yeah, there's Lifetime and Hallmark Channel and, you know, HBO does their own stuff. But I couldn't tell him the last one that was on ABC, NBC, or CBS hmm. that wasn't a miniseries event. I think, well, yeah, I think now it's it's all about limited series. I think that's the that's the thing that they focus on because it's like you get you get the most bang for your buck if you can spread it out over six weeks as opposed to doing it in one shot, ninety minutes. Yeah, for one thing. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just not as lucrative, I think, because they can just everyone has a cable outlet that they can just shift that stuff to. Yeah. So. You know, fans of the show, if you want to write in and tell us your thoughts, Andrew and I will also research it this this week, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if we're alive. Probably not. Uh, well, Mark, this week, uh, this month, April, I think. The endless month. The endless month, yes. The fourth, the fourth of a uh, repeating series of months here in these United States. We have been watching early 90s made-for-TV movies. The week prior, we watched... Trash workers. Trash. Filthy rich. Working trash with Ben Stiller and George Carlin. The week before that, we watched Archie to Riverdale and back again. This time around, we have we are watching something that's a little bit more classic made for TV movie, a rip straight from the headline story entitled Prophet of Evil, the Ervil LeBaron story. And we're going to talk about it at length in a segment I like to call, well, what do you know? Mark. What do you know about Ervil LeBaron? Andrew, uh, this is a little weird because I about 15 minutes into the movie, I was like, wait a minute, I recognize these names. Uh, so I went over to my bookshelf and I pulled down my copy of Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer, mm-hmm. uh, which is a nonfiction work about uh, violent of Mormon fundamentalism in the United States and abroad. And the Ervil LeBaron saga that this movie is based on or comprises about four pages of a 400-page book. Mm. So this 1%. isn't even like the most... Yeah, he's the 1%. Oh. Yeah, we always got to be talking about those guys. Yeah, 
Eat Ervil the Baron. That's what I always say. Uh, so I, I bring it up because it's it's it, it's odd to me that like this made-for-TV ripped from the headline story is one percent of an entire book on the subject. A violent um, Mormon sex? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, violent Mormon fundament, violent polygamous fundamentalism in the United States and abroad. Mm. Like this isn't even the craziest story of that story of, of that larger tale well i mean there are plenty of other tv movies out there mark we can we'll we'll, we'll yeah the, the the story will be told yeah we'll get to it so yeah before we watched it i guess i knew something but i didn't know i knew about mm-hmm. it uh erva lebaron was a in the 70s uh he was a polygamist uh cultist leader uh living in mexico who uh believe he killed his brother he he succeeded in killing his brother or organizing like an attack on his brother and then spent the rest of his life trying to kill his other brothers mm-hmm. kind of a crazy person yes thought he was thought he was uh the one what is it brave and strong i think is how it's defined in the uh uh book of mormon uh, basically meaning the new prophet that will bring the world to peace mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and led a bunch of uh, followers and family members uh, to kill people. That's basically the story. Mark, have you ever thought about starting up your own cult? Like, do you think you could, you have the, the, the wherewithal to do it? I don't think I have the charisma. You know what? That's wrong. I don't have to get up and go. That's that's really what it is. <laughs> people like, people want to follow you, but you're like, ah, oh, just so much energy. I... I like I got, I got, I got, I got, I got things to think about in the shower. Ah, I can't, not today. <laughs> Guys, I have, I have, I have so many Golden Girls reruns that I have to get through on my DVR. I just, I can't even. Up to my um, ass, up to my ass here, folks. No, I, I hate to say it about ourselves, but like, I think that there have been times when we've been at work and we've been given a little more responsibility and we're like, oh, this is a headache. <laughs> Oh, I imagine if they were like hate if, this. Yeah, imagine if your boss was like, "All right, you need to leave lead 300 people. Uh, they'll do anything, they'll kill anyone, whatever you want to do, but we really need this episode of reality television done." And we'd be like, "Ah, all 300 of them?" Mm. God. All right, kill each other, I guess. <laughs> Don't come back to me until it's done. I have important things to do. And then you go back into your office and you're like, thank you for being a friend. Being a friend. (laughs) Well, Mark, the prophet of evil, the Ervil LeBaron story debuted on May 4th, 1993 on CBS. This was directed by Judd Taylor, who was an actor before he was a director. He was an actor in the great escape. And, uh, he's directed episodes of the fugitive and of course law and order svu but he's also even directed episodes of star trek the original series so he's been around a while Oh wow did he do a gorn uh he probably did a gorn this was written by fred mills who has written a couple other made for tv movies around this time entitled the people next door and overkill the eileen werno story oh man the monster this is starring uh, Brian Dennehy, of course, famous character actor. She killed truckers. Uh, st- That's why it's called Overkill. Oh. Star of stage and screen, Brian Dennehy. You might know him from Rambo, First Blood, and Silverado. Tommy Boy. 
Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy, yes. He's the father in Tommy Boy. And also from uh, a little classic entitled Ants. Or It Happened at Lakewood Manor. It Happened at Lakewood Manor. This is also starring William Devane. Uh, at this time, people probably would have mostly known him from Knott's Landing. But uh, he was also in 24. He had a vi- yes. recurring role on 24. And then most recently, Mark, and I think this is probably where you know him from, The Grinder, starring Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely Grinder. Uh, he also plays the president in The Dark Knight Rises. Yes, that's correct. Um, he's just one of those perennial 80s television and movie actors where like you would see him and you'd be like oh it's this guy again Mm -hmm. or like i think if he if he showed up on an episode of castle he's like famous enough to where i'd be like oh it's he's the killer then because that's usually how it would work on like svu or castle like whoever's the most famous Mm -hmm. that's probably the one that did it (laughs) that's true unless you're seeing a really early episode of it and you're like oh my god how can it not be um you know, uh, uh, Aaron Paul, and you're like, oh, he's just some scumbag drug dealer that got murdered in this episode. Right. Or, uh, you know, <laughs> like the, the Sklar brothers were on a criminal intent, mm-hmm. uh, like after Cheap Seats, but before they had a little more mainstream success. And it's like, oh, it must be them. And then it's like, no, they're just two twin scumbags. <laughs> and you're like, oh, all right. Uh, this also has a very young Jackie Earl Haley in it from uh well not not that not young. that He's young very young in yes. bad news bears <laughs> but at the same time uh uh you know before the nightmare on elm street reboot huh before Watchmen? yes before little child yes little little children was the beginning of the jackie earl haley renaissance it was little children Watchmen, and then yeah nightmare on elm street and he's back in the spotlight ever since he's in lincoln yeah you may recall he's in uh andrew's favorite andrew's favorite boring movie lincoln that's not true that there's there's another boring movie that is referenced in this movie that i feel like uh might uh, top lincoln <laughs> bridge of spies perhaps uh and jackie Rohaley most recently in my mind was in the uh the new amazon version of the tick he is he, who does he play he plays the terror oh huh. the, the main the main bad guy in, in the tick uh, and then huh. this also has a an unknown actor at the time named Brian Cranston that shows up in a very bit part. But th- yeah, when I saw when I saw Brian Cranston's uh, title card, I was like scanning every frame of the uh, background <laughs> uh, cultists and polygamists because I was like, he's in there. I know he's in there. No, he's probably the most competent person in this entire movie. Definitely. So just as a little background to add on what you said about the LeBarons, basically the idea is that. In uh, in uh, in the late the late nineteenth century, in like eighteen ninety, the Mormon Church outlawed or they frowned upon polygamy. They said, "Look, uh, we all love doing the polygamy, but uh, I guess we're not going to do that anymore." So all of these like uh, sects of the Mormon Church kind of spun off into their own thing, and the LeBarons, the family LeBaron said, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to marry as many wives as we can, and we're going to Mexico to do it. So they moved down to Mexico to continue their church, but the the brothers, after the father died, the brothers, uh, so Ervil and his brothers, uh, had a disagreement over the direction of where the church should go, and so Ervil spun off his own church from their spinoff. A spinoff of a spinoff. 
it would it would be a it would be a failed pilot for Bulldog from Frasier. Yes, there, there, that you got it. He decided to go to Mexico, and uh, so he decided to put a hit out on his own brother, and uh, he was real mad and crazy. But uh, between 1974 and 1981, just murders, 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 folks. <laughs> Let's uh, you know they might have only had like. 300 or 250 people but uh boy they were good at stacking up the body count and uh, yeah they're motivated and at this time however going into this herbal had 13 wives and fathered more than 50 children so good good on good on good on him 13 wives (laughs) oh man talk about the most patient man in america am i right this guy gets it yeah Where's where? I, th- I thought I thought Tim Allen had a bad on Last Man Standing. <laughs> ah, for fun. Let's dig in. Act- Andrew, I I have a, I have a dog and three house plants, and I'm like I I, I can't this do is, it. I can't. Too, I, there's you're gonna. I'm sorry. Too much. I'm sorry, Ficus, but you're gonna have to just take care of yourself this week because I just <laughs> I do not have it in me. Yeah, and mo- two of them are succulents. Like they need a they need a quarter ounce of water once a week, and I'm like, I can't. No, no, just, not, to- not today, can't. not today. I'm, I might spit on you later, but that's about it. Well, let's dive in. Act one. We open up with two kids watching with their mom as a little Mexican village gets firebombed. You know, a good way to start a movie. This scene is this scene was pretty pretty incredible. I thought pretty effective because you got. Two, you got three pickup trucks. Jackie Earl Haley is in one of them, mm-hmm. uh, sporting the coolest mullet. Mm. And they drive down Main Street, uh, ch- chuck Maltov cocktails at places. So you're like, all right, we're burning the village like Robin Hood, men of, uh, Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. And then when everybody runs outside to put the water out, the trucks come back and they just shoot everybody as they're trying to put the fires out. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> now I... Now I know these people are insane. Before, I, you know, it, it's like surprising in its brutality. Yes. You're just like, okay, we're off to the races. We know who this is. These are bad people. Because the mom tells the kids, because the kids are like, this is all fucked up, mom. What the fuck? And the mom says, well, this is God's will. I wanted to, <laughs> what the, f- yeah. But then we, the mom says, you know, it's God's will. And then she looks at her son and she's, and he's like, no, my, my Sega, my, my Sega's broken, Mom. Like, what? What was the handheld? The Game My Gear. Game Boy. My Game Gear's broken. And he's like, she's like, oh, you just need more batteries. <laughs> like, oh, oh, God's will says, uh, uh, I need more batteries, Mom. And I need, I need the new Sonic. I need, I need the new Sonic the Hedgehog. I need six more D batteries. <laughs> I just gave you like six yesterday. He's like, yeah, I know. I've been playing a lot of. Yeah, I played for thirty minutes. <laughs> They're dead. They're all dead. The mom says it's this is God's will. They're as dead as those villagers. The kids, however, say, well, that seems weird and a brutal God. How do we know that this is God's will? And he says, and she says, well, I believe in your father. We pan back to reveal that uh, Irvil LeBaron, played by Brian Dennehy, is watching all of this take place behind them while uh, he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> he's watching them watch... The carnage. He's like, I want, I want to see the audience reaction. Yeah, it's on like, this. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's like uh, those YouTube videos, or it's like Gogglebox. You know, we sometimes we, you know, we want to see the reaction of the reaction. Oh, I was thinking he was. It was like a test screening. Like he's got, uh, <laughs> he's got the. Uh, 
the IR camera in a movie theater and he's like, oh, people are falling asleep. No, he goes up to them afterwards and he's like, on a scale of one to ten, what did you think of the firebombing? And uh, the kid. (laughs) Is there anything that you would have liked to be different? (laughs) Uh, I guess less firebombing. Okay, okay, okay. And he just like. I'm I'm hearing you. His little notepad. He's like, okay. And um, on uh, from uh, from incredibly dissatisfied to incredibly satisfied, how would you rate the service of the murdering that we did after the firebombing? I thought it was excessive. Well, so excessively acceptable and, and satisfied. Yes. Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, good, good, good. Okay. Uh, so you'll be getting. I used I used that word in a way that it has never been used before. <laughs> so uh, you'll be you'll be expect your gift card to uh, arrive in the mail in four to six weeks, and I, I really want to thank you for taking part in this. Uh, it's it's incredibly helpful to get this kind of feedback on on just absolute brutality. You're like, oh, good, good. This is fun. This was fun. Good. Can I? That was fun. Can I have? Can I tell my friends about this? No, don't post. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you did sign an NDA before we started the survey. So just just to be clear, but uh, yes, if you could just keep it at least until the firebombing comes and enters into the news, then you can talk about it. Two years later is what we're told, and Brian Dennehy is being let out of a Mexican prison somehow after murdering all these people. And he's picked up by members of his church. He tells one of his followers that he had a vision in, church, in uh, while he was in prison that his brother will die soon. Uh, Andrew, I've had that vision for years. It has not come to pass. <laughs> well, you didn't you, in your vision. You didn't look. To, you didn't remember to look at a calendar or like a clock or anything. One of the things that this movie doesn't seem to do that well, in my opinion, is it's like, okay, so is he in prison for the firebombing? And it's like we assume, mm-hmm. but we don't say that. And then it's like, okay, so how did he get out? Of, how is he getting out of prison? And we're like bribery we assume we're not saying that though well later later yes they the brother in this next scene that's coming up he says specifically that his brother bribed his way out of prison uh so now we move on to yuma arizona and brian's church is relocated there and brian tells rena who is one of the uh, women there in his uh, little cult that uh he had a revelation about her and uh he's like i think you can guess what it was and it's it's like, ugh, gross. It goes a little something like this. He also eyes up uh, another member of his church named Dean, who seems to be friendly with Rena. And he's like, uh, yeah, that, uh, that Dino's got to skedaddle. <laughs> Get him out of here. That, that, ain't, that ain't happening anymore. <laughs> In Salt Lake City, we're then, re- we're then introduced to Dan, who is William Devane. Dan is a uh, police officer. He's a detective, but he's also a Mormon father in Salt Lake City. And uh, he's sitting with his family at the breakfast table. His wife at the breakfast table announces that she's pregnant, which I feel like is the um, it's a weird it's like it's a weird arena because I think this is a surprise to William Devane as well. But he like raises a, a glass of orange juice and he's like, ah, oh, I am. <laughs> I feel yeah, I feel like he the should be the- he should have gotten the memo at least one of the first few people to get the memo before trotting that out to the uh, the audience at large, you know? Oh, it would have been great if the kids were like, we know, Mom, you told us. 
<laughs> he's like, I, I'm the last to know. <laughs> Did you tell the dog? And then the dog, the dog nods. It's like, oh yeah, I the knew. dog has a baby shower present, like ready to go. <laughs> Just turns around and leaves. It's like ah, I uh, I have to uh, go lick a butthole in the other room. <laughs> you guys figure this out. I'll, I'll, yeah, you let me know when this is resolved. Uh, something about the audio on this scene was bizarre to me because we're it's. The kids are talking at the same time that the mom is talking, but the kids' audio seemed to be a little bit higher, at least on the version that I was watching, mm-hmm. to where I was like, this is, this was improperly mixed. <laughs> like, I, I cannot tell what is going on. It's supposed to simulate, like, having dementia, Mark. I think that's where it's, you're slowly going crazy that you can't necessarily kind of figure out who's talking where, everything's overlapping, and none, none of it makes any sense. Yeah, I'm, I, I was seeing through time is basically what was happening. You are you are my young child and you are an adult husband at the same time. <laughs> at work, Dan is a detective as we stated before who meets with Ervil's brother who shows up and warns that Ervil might attack other Mormon and polygamous leaders in the country because uh well A, he's a fanatic, he's a crazy man, but B, he also tells uh Dan that uh Ervil tried to have him killed as well. Meanwhile, back at the old uh, cult ranch... He kind of just brushes it off. He's like, uh, boys will be boys. It's like, uh, yeah, take a number. Who hasn't had a hit put out on them? Brian Dennehy is more paranoid that he's going to get raided. He's, like, holding a gun. He's holding court with some of his closest officers at the old cult. Uh, but he also tells his followers that Rena will be his wife. He's had these visions, and he's like, that woman is going to marry me. So... Do what you got to do, get the paperwork, um, I guess clear out another cot somewhere, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, you guys generally set this up. However. Uh, yeah, I, th- this is this is a common thing in these. That's It's a thing that's touched on in uh, banner Under the Banner of Heaven is that when you have a prophet and a leader who cannot be wrong and to whom God speaks directly, it's hard to tell what the difference is between a whim and an edict from God. So when he says, I had a vision, I'm marrying younger women, you're like, well, wait a minute, That's that just sounds like a fantasy that you had. And he's like, aren't they the same? Mm, think about it. Mm. Okay, well, here, see you later. Give me that wife now. He's just trotting around firing guns in the air. Andrew, I had a vision. Uh, it came to me. Yes. Clear, clear as day. A chicken sub. <laughs> From uh, from Quiznos. That's right. It a, shall a, be mine. A big, gross, greasy chicken parm, just oozing marinara. It, God's will will be it was spoken, and it will become so. Yes, as it is, um. so it shall be. Render unto me the chicken parm. Uh, how how big was this parm in your in your vision, there, Mark? Uh, <laughs> it it stretched unto the horizon. <laughs> Uh, it, in the basket was uh, three three loaves and seven chicken parm, but I made it last <laughs> for five hundred people. Uh, what else? What else? What, what else? else? What else? What this? Uh, so yes, he. But also Dean, who we mentioned before, seems to be with Rena, and uh, his followers say, "Well, Dean says if he's not allowed to be with Rena, he's going to go and leave the the cult. Man, he's going to say he's going to turn in his card and his keys, and uh, he wants his deposit <laughs> his back. Badge and his gun." Ervil's brother, meanwhile, warns Dan that even if their numbers seem low and small, 
they can still be crazy people. He's basically warning, look, man, if you don't do something about this, even though they only got 50 people, they are 50 people crazy and they will do some damage. Dan heads off to talk with one of the polygamy subsets and he talks with Dr. Allred, who uh, who runs one of the um, one of these polygamous sects here in Utah and uh, Dr. Allred says, yeah, I've been getting threatening material from Ervil and his dudes for like years. And I, I brought it up to the FBI, but everyone's just shrugs their shoulders and says, boys will be boys. And I, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yes, it's not. A, apparently, it's not a crime to mail threatening letters to people. It's not. Uh-oh. Oh, man. <laughs> I found what I'm going to be doing during this lockdown. Well, yeah, well, this lockdown just got a lot more agreeable. <laughs> Uh, he also says that Ervil really just wants to get a hold of the because Ervil had been pushing these two sects to unite, mainly because like ten the the the, the congregation tithes like ten percent of their their income. So it's more in Doctor Allred's mind, it's more about money than anything else. Well, yes, it's money and I mean it's money and influence in people. Like Ervil has his fifty dedicated people. He's taken all the money he can from them. Mm-hmm. He sees another Mormon polygamous sect. He's like, well, I'm the true prophet. I should be in charge of everything. However much money they have, I should have it instead. Is basically what it right. is. At Ervil's camp, Dean is asked to move some cots while Ervil gives a speech somewhere else on the compound, and two of uh, Ervil's other wives just straight up shoot this motherfucker. They say right in the back. Now, um, now, now, they say you're, it's been revoked, and then they just shoot him. <laughs> shoot him. Uh, one of the women in this scene is from uh, Twin Peaks. She plays. Uh, I think her name is Nancy. She's one of the characters. She plays. Cooper. Uh, cra- crazy, wa- crazy, super strong wives. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. It's a strange show. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, yeah, I, I've seen their restaurants. Uh, it seems we- it seems weird that that there's a tie-in with these restaurants where ladies wear scantily clad outfits. It's weird. Yeah, that's where it all started, really. Wow, that's it's weird. It's they, this this chain of restaurants all started because of the murder of this girl. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. The- <laughs> Well, the, it, all of that fades away after episode three, mm. and then it just goes to like a workplace comedy. <laughs> it's like Cheers, but it's a Hooters. Oh, that, that I, I guess I got I just got tripped up on the concept more than anything else. I have to stick with it. At the FBI, Dan gets more information on Ervil, and the FBI says, "Look, man, this Ervil uh, guy seems like he's all talk. He talks right up to the line of the law, but he never crosses it. So he's smart, but it seems like it's all bluster." Even though he firebombed a bunch of people in Mexico, I don't think he would actually go after the head of some polygamous sect here in the United States. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, uh, Rena. It's easy to. It, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> sure, he's crazy. He killed 60 innocent people in a town in Mexico, but he wouldn't kill one white man. Right? I mean, yeah. Think about it, Dan. Use your fucking head. Meanwhile, back at the compound, Rena's upset because she knows that Ervil had a hand in getting Dan or getting uh, uh, Dean killed. But the other wives are pressuring her to go and talk with Ervil because they are getting married, and you know what getting married means, Mark? Baby shower. That's right. I got you a diaper cake. Dun dun 
dun, 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 dun. That's what you play at a at a baby at a baby, a baby show, show yeah. right? <laughs> no, she uh, she's like fine. So she goes in and talks to Ervil, and Ervil is weird and creepy and pressures her uh, by saying they have an everlasting covenant, and then they bang. Post coitus, however. Ervil says that he has another vision, and his vision is that his brother will die at a funeral. <laughs> I just had another vision. I have to go pee. Oh, is that uh, is that Ervil? He's like, uh, I got, I gotta go, man. I gotta, gotta, I got a prostate thing. <laughs> yes, I've had a vision. I shall go to sleep. There will be no cuddling. <laughs> the Lord wills it. <laughs> You will have to sleep outside. I don't really feel... I mean, it's too warm in here. <laughs> I can't stretch out. I feel weird. I don't like sleeping with socks on. Later, Ervil shows Rena how to shoot a gun at a target range, but he also describes the process of shooting a dude. He says, look, here's what you got to do when you shoot a dude. You walk right up on him. You hide the gun until at the very last moment. You shoot him in the gut a couple times. He falls on the ground, and then you fucking... Just blah blah right in the head. Just just double tap. <laughs> yes, he 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 does a rap song drop. <laughs> uh, and Rena is not comfortable with this, but Ervil pressures her into demonstrating this at the target range. He says, "Shoot him in the gut, and then you shoot him in the goddamn head." Meanwhile, one of I thought yeah. I thought that in this scene especially, Brian Denny he did a great job. I yes. really bought his like creepy intense anger. As he's like, shoot it, shoot the gun, shoot it, shoot it. Yes, he is. He is. She's uh, like, I don't, you're you're creeping me. He out. is Emperor Palpatine esque of him of him pressuring Anakin. Oh into, my god, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> like uh, it's 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 that level, but also it's not it's not necessarily campy. Like there is a brooding, like stewing anger and menace behind Brian Dennehy. He's great in everything that he's that he does, and even though this is a a run-of-the-mill tv movie he's he's wonderful in this yeah he br- he brings it he's 100 percent on it he's like I, I gotta be big and imposing and creepy great i'll do that and he does it he does it well meanwhile isaac who is the kid that we saw in the first scene of the movie in one of brian dennehy's 50 sons or children i guess is talking with his sister rebecca who rebecca who is upset <laughs> Uh, because she thinks her dad is a fraud. She's like, I just want to, I just want to go back to Mexico. This place sucks. I'm pregnant. Uh, and I, I, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable here. Well, Ervil gives, uh, has a little bull session with his sect. He's like, look, man, we're going to do a pep rally. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to kill Dr. Allred. It's going to be great. We're going to have a, we're going to have some laughs. We're going to roll the old man. Should be a pushover. And we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some burgers and some brews. He sends Rena and one of his other wives uh, down to Denver to go to Doctor Allred's. He has a uh, like a physician's clinic. office. Yes, he has a clinic, and there he basically is like, go in, get close, flash the gun, shoot him in the gut, blah blah, right in the head, They're like just like we practice. Amazingly simple. Like for all, like that's one of the more interesting th- or that's one of the interesting things about the early part of this movie is that uh brian dennehy there's a scene where william De- devane is talking to one of the other police officers and they're like yeah they have all this literature where they say that they're an army of god but there's only 50 people so it doesn't matter but then you contrast that with brian dennehy being like 
Yeah, it only takes one person with one gun to kill, you know, six people at least. So yeah, doesn't mean we're not dangerous. Yeah, this it's, is it's, there's a lot. It really shows the the frailty of human life. Everyone's getting jokerified in this uh, in this movie. It's all about it's like man. You want to talk about you want to talk about some Joker parallels? I got some for you later, but uh, uh, yeah, just just one man, one bad one bad day. That's what I say. The scene, the scene where uh, Brian Dennehy dances down those steps. Oh, so good! Oh man, I can't believe they licensed that song for this movie as well. Uh, They go back. They go to the doctor's office and pull the plan off. They shoot Doctor Allred in the gut, and then they run off, but. Considering that Rena like fired about twenty shots into the guy, when they run off, the other wife is like, "Did you shoot him in the head?" And she makes Rena go back, and Rena doesn't have the she doesn't have the guts. She purposely misses the headshot, but the guy like he died hours ago he, based on dead. this. Dan arrives. It's, it's a straight. It's a strange distinction to make for the movie because the scene isn't all that tense in the way that it's shot and edited. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just matter of fact, which maybe is more scary. I guess. Yes. That they just walk in, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him, walk away. And then with all the, like, urgency of, oh, god damn it, I left my wallet in there. <laughs> hey, you didn't happen to see, oh, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of activity happening in here. <laughs> uh, da- Good luck with all that. Dan arrives a little later after the police have and surveys the crime scene, and he notes that this was a religious assassination. The phone rings, and Dan answers it, and it's Ervil who uh he has a good he has a good laugh he has a good laugh on the other end of the <laughs> line uh and it's a pre- herbal calls and he's like let me talk to the doc and he's like he ain't here and he's like all right well see you later and the, he's laughing so much i was like is did he order like 50 pizzas that are gonna show up in a couple of yeah, minutes yeah he's like uh why don't you uh you know why don't you have a tip standing by and he's like what do you what do you mean he's like oh you'll see <laughs> you'll see <laughs> And that, this is uh, this is this is Ervil the Baron. I uh, want to check: Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> I asked him if his refrigerator was running. You guys have Prince Albert there at the office. <laughs> well, you better let him out. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't, I we wouldn't even, I I don't think they have Prince Albert. I don't think that's a thing anymore. It's no. It's like ah. You're, you, man, these jokes are wasted on the, the, the youth. Yeah. You, you want to know a good laugh, but just walked into your office and shot you five times in the back. He's like, oh, how would you know about that? He's like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, uh, wrong number, wrong number. Baba Booey. <laughs> Act two. Dan briefs the police about everybody involved in Ervil's church, but then he talks with Ervil's brother again, who says he wants to go to Dr. Allred's funeral, even though Dan thinks it's a bad idea. He's like, the guy tried to kill you, and he probably knows you're going to show up to this goddamn thing. What, why do you want to do that? And then the brother says, well, look, uh, you know, I'm not going to change my way of life because there's some kind of thing that's coming down on us, and I know... <laughs> That, uh, you know, we're supposed to wear masks and that wear wants gloves. wants to kill me. I'm, I'm going to shake hands with every person there, all right? I, you can't live in fear, Mark. I'm going to Daytona, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Look, man, I paid for that Best Western. Uh, the, you know, I'm not going to get my $35 back if I don't go. I've got tickets to the Kiss Indoor Football League, and I'm going to go to every fucking game. 
Rena, however, is very upset and broken up about the fact that she just killed a man. Ervil's squad, uh, a little later, though, is getting Wives, ready to... am I right? Uh, always, always, uh, boo-hoo, I killed a guy, I burned the roast, boo-hoo-hoo, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, married guy stuff. <laughs> he's, you know, he, he's not laughing because his wife's here, but, uh, but he likes you know, it. When he gets home, he's going he's gonna to go in the other room, and he's going he's gonna to just bust a gun. He's going to think about calling up that police officer after the murder and uh, <laughs> asking him if his refrigerator was running. Herbal Squad's getting ready to pull off this hit on the brother, but once they show up, they get confused because Herbal told them specifically, he said, my vision says that my brother will die at a funeral at the cemetery, and you'll be able just to shoot him, shoot him from 500 yards. Just, yeah, just it'll be a clear no shot. It'll be outside. It won't be an magic issue. Magic bullet this guy. However, the actual funeral is Make taking him a place smoothie. inside the church, and uh, one of the guys, Michael is uh he's concerned about this he's like well this doesn't this this doesn't line up with what ervil said this doesn't seem right andrew did you recognize michael uh, i did not he is one of papio daniel's uh advisors <laughs> is he the one who suggests this an even stumpier fella no i think he's he's the one that says uh we're gonna take a paddling and he's like no it won't be a paddling and it's gonna be a kicking He's like, no, I don't think it's going to be a paddling. Well, as long as they don't look like a bunch of Johnny-come-latelys. Johnny-come-latelys. Michael says this doesn't smell right, and he calls he calls it off, even though the rest of the people in the car, the other two guys, are like, fuck it, let's just run up there and just get fucking murdered by the police. Why not? You know? It's a Tuesday, am I right? Let's get nuts. <laughs> For glory. TGIT. Michael pulls away, and he they do not end up killing Ervil's brother. Ervil, however, is hiding out in Mexico and gets a phone call that is this news is relayed to him, and he feels like Michael uh, ratted him. He's a skunk. Betrayed he's him. A, he's a rat. He betrayed him. He's a Judas, and he screams and flips over a table in his uh, in his little Mexican home. Michael later talks with Rena, and he's like, "I gotta go." Uh, I think Ervil's planning to have me killed, and um, his vision wasn't correct. So this has put a seed of doubt in Michael's mind that Ervil might be full of shit, and uh, this also puts the same seed of doubt in Rena's mind, even though uh, she fucking murked a guy. So um, I guess she's got well, one up on old Michael. Yeah, the bigger question for me is, is this literally the first time one of his visions didn't come true? Or does he usually only have visions about things that he knows he can make people do? Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, it's like... like uh, does, does he smell that the that the bread is ready? And he's like, I foresee that the, the bread shall come out of the oven. And they're no, like, yeah, it's, 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 like, it's ready. It's, it's, all, it's Chriswell. He knows it. He's like, he's like it's, all, it's all bullshit. It's all... <laughs> Look, if you he's, if you dress if you dress right and you talk right and you're Brian Dennehy and you're six feet tall, people will buy it. Yes, like uh, he just hopes that people don't remember the details. That's why that's his first mistake. Is probably one of this vision is probably one of the first times he's actually given a specific detail in it. Like he oh. will die at a cemetery because if he had just said my bro, I see my brother dying at a funeral. That would have been good enough for everybody, because they'd be like, "All right, yeah, fuck it, let's 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 shoot him, let's do what we got to do." But if he's like, "And the casket will be covered in pink tulips," and they get there and they're pink uh, like carnations, they're like, "Oh, this doesn't smell right at all." 
So he, so he didn't, he didn't cold read well enough. He should have been like, is, is anybody in the room worried about, uh, the, yes. the, the funeral? I'm, I'm, I'm getting something about a funeral. I have something about the money. Some, somebody's worried, somebody's worried about the money in here. Is that correct? Uh, the, the money, the money at the funeral. Later on, Dan's wife gives him shit because Dan's got so much work to do. He's like, I'm trying to hunt down this cult leader who killed a guy or try, attempted to kill another guy. And his wife's like, well... You got you got responsibilities, man. Dan's like, wives, am I right? <laughs> Wish I had thirteen more of these. Boy, what a treat that would be yeah. in Denver. <laughs> he is crazy. <laughs> this guy <laughs> in Denver. Uh, Dan talks with one of Irvel's followers who is dodgy, but this guy gives up uh, another person that's involved in this. Basically. There's like a lot of like lead chasing that happens in this movie. And there's so many characters that it's hard to keep up as to like, wait, so this was the same woman that was here that did this, that, that also was connected to this. But basically yeah, it's, a, idea- it's a lot of, it's a lot of Dan being like, like Dan gets a phone call that says, Hey, we've got a line on one guy that thinks he was that people think was in the neighborhood. So then Dan goes to that one guy, you know, it's like a law and order, but they want it to be more interesting yeah. And it, it just ends up being kind of dull and dry. Well, ultimately, Dan arrests this woman because he believes that she had a, a hand in Dr. Allred's murder. Uh, but then he also is able to get back to Salt Lake City in time to see the birth of his child. And uh, then he goes to the police office and, and he's like, the police station, he's like, ah, hey, I hear cigars for everyone. It, it's a boy. My favorite kind of the cigars. It's a boy's. And uh, um, it's, it's a red letter day, he says. I had a kid and we caught half of the murderous duo. Well, it turns out that the lady had some kind of planted alibi and uh, they let her out because they couldn't hold her because the, 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 the evidence wasn't there. And also it turns out that Ervil apparently has put out a hit uh, on... Dan, uh, however, he picked the wrong hitman because the guy was a snitch. So I guess that we got something in going in our favor there. Yeah, that you can't trust a <laughs> can't trust a Craigslist hitman anymore. Oh, man. Tell me about it. You know, it's like I put will, uh, you know, contract killer OBO. You know, maybe I'd trade for like a like a bocce ball set and like a really cool hammock. I don't know. Uh, 700 kisses. <laughs> a coupon for a back rub at a later date. <laughs> Isaac's mother later. Isaac's mother is worried about him. Uh, apparently, she's also di- distanced herself from Ervil's clan. And she gives the police uh, basically a um, like a welfare check slash she basically says, look, I'm giving you permission to go bust up this house and get my son back. And they do. Dan goes over there and Isaac's holed up in the attic with a shotgun. The two of them have the very the the most relaxed conversation that I can (laughs) see. With one one like fourteen year old holding a gun on like a this this adult, he's like, "Look, man, you don't want to you don't want to shoot me. I mean, come on, what, what what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I mean, let's. Well, why don't you put it down? We'll go have some uh, we'll have some fizzy water. Uh, it'll be great. We'll have we'll have a couple laughs. Maybe we'll see the ball game. I don't know. 
he this this is a for those who aren't as familiar with William Devane's acting as I am. This is how he always acts. Like he's one of these actors that always has a big grin on his face, no matter if he's supposed to be angry or confused or what. But like someone must have told him at some point in college, like you look good when you smile. And he was like, all right, I'll do that constantly. So even though this is a tense scene where he's supposed to be like getting in this kid's head and like convincing him that he's he's safe with William Devane. He's he just looks like he's been dreaming the, of getting shot in the face is what it seemed to me. Like he's like, "Oh, thank God, finally." Like, what are you going to do, kid? You going to blow my brains years, out? You going to paint the room in with the it? making. Years in the making. Finally, it's all you, come to this. Just getting You going to you going am I going to be dead? Just dead? Just kid. I won't even know. I won't. I'll just. I'll be alive and talking one minute, and then the next, just nothingness forever. Forever. Is that what's gonna happen? Yeah. Let's see it, kid. Yeah. 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 Do me a favor, all right? You're making dreams come true over here. Uh, well, Dan manages to talk Isaac off the ledge, get him to put the gun down. They go to the station, and it's revealed that uh, Irvel has had Rebecca killed as well, even though she was pregnant. And uh, off screen. So this, off screen, yes. Isaac's real messed up about this, however. He says, my sister was killed. I should have been there to protect her. And uh, Dan's like, man, that's that's fucked up. Man, <laughs> sorry. Sorry about it. That's, that's a tough break, dude. How about that ball game we were talking about? Am I right? He's like, oh, it's on, oh, it's on at 8? Oh, I got a couple hours. Um, I'm going to do some crosswords over here. You can... I don't know what you want to do, but uh, I... I I kind of just want to decompress after that kind of info. With Michael turned state's witness, and now they've got Isaac in their pocket, the police start arresting arresting members of Ervil's church. But what, who they really need is they need either Rena or they need Ervil. Dan's wife gives him the business again because he's so wrapped up in his work. She says, "You got a family, man. You got it. You got you got you got responsibilities." This this is the this is the classic uh, wife scene in any ni- early '90s uh, TV movie where it's mm-hmm. like, how do we make the wife a character that isn't just a person that lives in the kitchen? And they're like, all right, how about if she yells at her husband about the responsibilities of being a father? And they're like, sounds great. And then six years later, Molly Shannon's gonna do this scene uh, in Superstar and then fall into a shower stall or whatever the hell she would do. Dan gets a call in the middle of the night, and uh, it turns out they need to go to Mexico because they think they have a lead on where Ervil actually is hidden. However, at the last second, he slips through their fingers and speeds away while, uh, like, cackling and laughing, <laughs> thinking about, like, oh, man, I'm going to call him up, and I'm going to be like, I- I'm looking for Amanda Hug and Kiss. Oh, my God, it's going to be hysterical. No, he's thinking about the double-decker that he left, uh, uh. the upper-decker that he left back at the compound. He's like, oh, man, they're going to find that. <laughs> they're going to flush that toilet. <laughs> <laughs> However, in the process, they managed to pick up Rena. And this is very helpful because they end up going to trial because they think they've got everything they need to at least convict Rena and the other uh, wife gunman that killed Dr. Allred. Yeah. So at court... Basically, the police is the police say, look, all we got to prove, we, look, we got Michael, we got Rena's here. She just needs to lie under oath and we can just call her on it. And then that'll that'll blow their case up. Yeah. However, it's not like they're going to have an amazingly likable every man as their lawyer. 
Then uh, the defense lawyer stands up, and my God, it's it's uh, Hal. It's the from, dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Oh yes, fuck! The, the, oh fuck me! <laughs> oh man, it's Zordon himself, Brian Cranston. That's right, Brian Cranston is the defense lawyer. And basically, he walks up to Michael and he says, um, "Say, uh, how is it that you are giving a defense here? Or you're you're a uh, a witness for the police, even though you like sold them the gun and you you definitely had a hand in 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 trying to stage this murder of this doctor. You were it's, in the cult. You bought a lot of guns. And Michael says, "Well, the police offered me a plea bargain that to, I testify to avoid the death penalty. I don't want to die." And uh, Brian Cranston just turns to the, the jury. He's like, ah, huh, huh, well, huh, well, interesting, huh, curious. Uh, and on top of that, Earl appears to be tampering with the jury by sending some threatening stuff to a, a few members of the jury. And this is enough to get uh, Rena and the other lady off uh, with a not guilty. They, 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 they get away with it. Yeah, y'all got to film me. (laughs) At a local bar, the cops lick their wounds, and they spy Rena and some of uh, Ervil's people having a bit of a celebratory bevy. They're out there just being like, that's right, we did it. Fuck the police. Yes, they're having iced tea and lemonade, and then, like any good cop, uh, any good Mormon father cop, uh, William Devane has four shots of whiskey in a row, and then is like, well... I'm going to go yell at these people. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, I know that they just got off of murder charge, but I'm going to go punch this motherfucker right in the head. Yeah, he goes over to the group and basically tells Rena, he's like, you might have gotten off on this one, but uh, you murdered an innocent man, and uh, that's that's going to come around on you. And then he uh, roughs up one of the other guys that are at the table, and they have to be pulled apart, and, and uh, you know... Dan's upset. This is probably the most emotion that he shows this entire film, where he's not just uh, smiling and being like, "Well, you, you know, you got one over on us." Uh, you know, fair, fair play, fair play. <laughs> That's one on old Dan. Yeah, the, the, this scene actually has like a really good line that will resonate later on. It's an obvious line, but it's a good line where he's like, where William Devane says to Rena, like, "Look, I know you think you're some soldier for God, but..." I need you to understand that literally all you did was shoot an old guy in the back. Uh, like everything, uh, your whole religious quest that you're on is pure nonsense. And she's like, no, it was the right thing to do. God wanted it. And he's like, all right. Sure, apparently it's sure. also, apparently it's also, it was God's will that you make a big meatball, meatball sandwich for some guy, but sure. Oh wait, that was me. He's like, Hey, I got a to go order. Right, I'll be back. <laughs> I got the appetizer sampler. <laughs> I had them put that in the sandwich too. Arm. 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 Oh, fried shrimp. Arm. <laughs> whole whole chicken wings. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, act three. Dan feels bad for Isaac and has him tag along on a fishing outing with his family, but his wife busts his balls about it after spying a gun in Isaac's car. Dan says, man, I just want to show the kid what a real family looks like, so you're doing a great job by sniping at me in front of the kids, you <laughs> fucking god damn it. He should have had that realization. He should have been like, look, I just wanted to show him what normal life is like. Uh, where, you know, you go, you try to go fishing, even though you've hated fishing your entire life. 
but it's something that you saw on television once, so you do it because you think that's what's normal. And then when your wife finally calls you on it, it's like, look, none of us like this. And you get angry and you start drinking, just like, oh, you're doing it. Good job, oh, honey. Oh, okay, all right, I, I okay. However, his wife says, Isaac man, just been... slowly backs into the car. <laughs> his wife says, you've been miserable this whole time. Just fucking catch that herbal guy and, and shoot him in the woods or something. Whatever it is you were going to do. <laughs> Look, I don't know what you need, but just just kill a guy, all right? He looks around the lake, and he's like, ah, too many witnesses. Yeah. Ends up shooting a fish instead. It's like, it's not the same. Dan gets to bridge a spies someone because basically <laughs> Mexico, uh, he calls up Mexico and he's like, look, man, I need this herbal guy. Send some bounty hunters. I don't give a fuck what you do. Just let's bridge a spies a guy. And they're like, well, yeah, yeah, cool. Th- this is another scene where I'm like, wait, how did how did they catch him? Like, what what happened? Did they did they just sneak into his compound and like put a bag over his head and then bridge of spies him? Yeah, well, he just had bounty hunters go and do it, and because he wasn't involved, they don't need to show it. Instead, we just see the results, which is the Mexican government and some bounty hunters handing over uh, Ervil in a with like a pillowcase over his head, and then uh, driving them. It's so. It's just so strange. Like I want to see that scene. No nah, man, like, the whole sorry. Mo- the whole movie doesn't make any sense unless you have that scene, even if it is just like Ervil. You know, every time we see Ervil, he goes to the same mailbox. And then one time he goes and some, you know, Dog the Bounty Hunter is there or Domino from Tony Scott's Domino is there. I don't know. Uh, No, we get a Bridge of Spies, man. We're doing a Bridge of Spies. (laughs) Fine. Yeah. A good movie. Yes. Uh, So he gets marched over the U.S.-Mexican border and is put in a car with Dan. And then they drive off and put Ervil in custody. Meanwhile, Ervil sermonizes uh, in the car and says... Uh, I am Austin, the Church of the Austin, Third Revelation. He says Austin three sixteen means I just kicked your ass. <laughs> Dan, you you're out there thumping your Bibles and your John three sixteens. Well, Erbil three sixteen says I just married another wife. <laughs> what, what was what was the Swamp Prophet guy that we that I like so much? Oh, Bray Wyatt. Bray yeah, Wyatt. You, you want a Bray Wyatt? Uh, yeah, he's he's out there too. At trial, Ervil yells at Isaac as he comes into the courtroom saying that his son is about to sacrifice him. He's about he's like, you're going to betray your father. So I hope you're happy. This is a great scene because it's inside a courtroom Mm -hmm. and like a witness for the prosecution comes in and the defendant, Ervil, stands up and just screams at his at the witness Isaac's so as as what is it Abraham sacrificed Isaac you are sacrificing your father and like the bailiff doesn't move the judge doesn't say yeah. nobody's nobody's Nobody, like hey n- hey nobody's man, like don't. hey I'm gonna find you in contempt if you don't shut up no he just bellows at his son and his son runs out of the gallery and yeah uh, no no at no point does anybody say hey hey man you you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that Isaac runs outside, and Dan. Okay, so we were talking about uh, Joker before. Dan goes outside, and he gives him a he gives him a killing joke. We, he killing jokes him. He goes Which, outside. And, and Andrew he, was upset about this, but I'm pretty sure Alan Moore didn't come up with that joke. No. Okay, so he goes outside, and Dan's talking with Isaac, and he's like, "Look, I know you're scared, but this reminds me of a story. This reminds was, me of a funny book that I read a couple of weeks <laughs> ago." 
Yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 great. He shoots a he shoots uh Gordon's daughter in the Bar- back and now Barbara she's Gordon paralyzed. gets shot oh, in the great. spine. Oh, it's amazing. The power of one man, you know, and one man's bad day. You know, it's something think you about. You know, and he can do I it. Say. He I swear to God he can do it. What were we talking about? Oh, you. <laughs> right. Sorry. No. So Dan goes outside to talk to Isaac and he says, This remind I know you're scared, but this reminds me of a story that me and my father I always love to climb trees, and uh, my dad pointed out a big old searchlight that was in the air near our house, and he says, well, why didn't you climb that, pointing to the light? And I said, oh, I don't, I don't want to climb that. And his dad said, why? And he says, well, I'm afraid you'll turn it off while I'm on it. Which is a bad version of the killing joke. Yes. So that the thing is, is at the end of the killing joke, Batman has Joker after all of this. He's basically killed a bunch of people and uh, traumatized the Gordon family, et cetera, et cetera. And so Joker tells a very similar joke about two guys crossing a big chasm with a flashlight. And then it's left to be ambiguous at the end because they laugh. They both laugh at the joke. And then the idea is like, did Batman kill the Joker after this? I don't know. What do you think, Mark? I've never asked you about this. What do I think the end result of the killing joke is? Yes. I think that Batman is given the option of turning out the Joker's lights or leaving his lights on. But either way, the Joker will always be insane. I think that's what it's about. Right. But the way the art is, did did he kill him or did he not kill him? Or do we not uh, find yes. out? Yes, I think he killed him. You think he killed him? All right. Yeah. Well. Anyway, we did a killing joke here because he tells the same fucking story. This, however, he tells Isaac, he says, hey, I'm not going to turn the lights out on you. You're, I'm here. For, I'm your support net. I'm here. I'm your rock. I'm, I'm, I'm asking my wife. I've completely ditched my family for this specific thing. So, you're, so you're don't hose hands. me on this, kid. On the stand, Isaac says that Ervil ordered the killings, uh, and he says that the killings, he said that Ervil said that the killings were for God. Ervil is found guilty of multiple first-degree murder counts. Ervil, as he's leaving the courtroom, says that he answers to God, but uh, eyes down Isaac and says that Isaac answers to him. And I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of shitty. It's like, yeah. where's, where's the chain of command? You again, know? again. I want to talk to again. your superior. Again, bailiff, please. I just step in. In jail, uh, Earl Bull would have never let this happen. No, Bull and Rods, they would have been, they would have clamped down on this. I mean, I even Mac. I mean, Mac is a veteran. He would have clamped down on it. Oh, yeah. If he's not having a Vietnam flashback, Mac's going to get involved. In jail, Rena comes and, uh, and tells Ervil that she's leaving him. And then 10 months later, Ervil has a massive coronary while writing some bullshit in his cell. Dan shows up to confirm that this motherfucker died, and he's like, great. So finally, someone, people can stop calling me about my goddamn refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) No, he should never put it together. He should be like, it's so weird. I stopped getting calls about whether or not my refrigerator is running, and people stopped delivering pizzas to our house roughly the same time that this guy had a coronary. However, in Mexico, a few hours after Ervil's death, Dan, uh, Ervil's brother is driving a car and is run off the road. 
uh, and crashes and blows up in an incredibly spectacular fashion. It was, it was great. I, 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 I LOL'd on this one. Yes, there was, a, there was an LMAO that you could be heard in several apartments around me because it the car flips over and then there's a beat and then just an absolute powder keg goes off. <laughs> and, yeah, and then it blows up. It, there's a good long pause and then it blows up and then Jackie Earl Haley like looks out the window because he's the one that drove him off the road and smiles to himself. And I'm like, oh, God, that's beautiful. I love it. I love that late 80s early 90s thing where it's like yes every car is transporting nitroglycerin in the back that's right and the slightest the slightest knock on it is just gonna send that thing up just it's it's like a rocket taking off rena shows up at dan's and Re, uh, dan shows her Ervil's hit list which apparently was smuggled out of uh the jail and he's like you're on it i'm on it um i think like some prince of the albert's Milwaukee- on it some of the Milwaukee Brewers are on it for some reason. I think he had a bet on one game or something. He uh, he's like this. He says Heathcliff Heathcliff is on here because he's just a knockoff Garfield. Like I don't think he knows he's not a real person. He's really mad about the rest of those junkyard cats as well. And uh, I I'm, I don't want to I don't want to say anything to his followers, but I, I don't think they're real. He says he's got an inside man on the junkyard. <laughs> Rena admits, however, that she killed that guy. She's like, "Yeah, I, I, I got, I got, I killed, I killed that guy. I straight up blew him away." However, Dan says, "Well, let's not focus on the past of terrible, terrible murders. Let's focus on the future, and especially about the kids that are still associated with this cult. We got to think about the youths, you know. ODBs for the kids. Yeah, but they're they're Jinko jeans and they're." Yeah, they're, they're big wallet. They're big chain wallets. Yes, yeah. They're Mountain Dews. They're spiky hairs and they're soap shoes with uh, like a grind plate in the middle of them. Yes, the kids. The kids are not all right, Rena. Isaac later calls Dan and thinks about asking if his refrigerator is running, but instead he's <laughs> like, "Hey, man, it's me, Isaac." Dan says, "Hey, how's things going? You could have. You should have stayed in Utah." Isaac lies and says things are going great, even though he's sitting in an incredible, like a, a just he's sitting in what is my apartment at all times. Yes. It's just an incredibly dark, dirty bedroom with like no sunlight coming in at all. Uh, uh and- yeah, it, he's just he's just eating cold chicken out of an Instapot. He's like, I I just I put it in there with a can of uh, cream of mushroom soup and told myself it was it was chicken and dumplings. It's not. But things are going great. Uh, Dan doesn't necessarily believe this, but Isaac also says that he's been having some weird dreams where he feels like he's going to end up taking up his father's mantle. And uh, Dan says, well, that's dumb. Your dad's dead. Um, That jerk about the refrigerator stopped calling me. So maybe they knew each other. I don't know. And and I can't tell you how things are turning up for me. And on top of that, you're your own person. You can be your own thing. Let's, uh, you know, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not bound. Again, he's like, did you read the Killing Joke? This is how what the Killing Joke was all about. You know, the outside forces. You can still be good, even though outside forces are forcing you to try and be bad. Meanwhile, Isaac's like, uh, Isaac yeah, says, so- I've always been a Marvel fan, and then like, he just hangs up on him. He's like, that. Well, <laughs> fuck that kid. Like motherfucker thinks he reads one Deadpool and now he's a big fan of Marvel. Fuck him. 
no uh dan dan's like well are you isaac uh let's let's not do anything crazy isaac says yeah man i gotta go he hangs up and then we see that isaac's got a gun and he fires wildly around his apartment and then we pan away and presumably isaac shoots himself presumably uh yes we don't see it we only hear it off screen because then we fade to the next scene where dan is sitting outside with a, a big old flashlight and he's shining it into the sky uh and i've got written here in in uh parentheses batman question mark mark he saw the movie <laughs> he saw he read the book and he saw the movies i'm confident of this so you think you think that dan is you think that there was a no. maybe a, a used shot where dan wrote like a like a put like a gobo over this thing of a bat signal and then turned maybe. the light on Maybe, but also I feel like the writer, he read The Killing Joke and he was like, I, I could write a, I'll write an Herbal LeBaron. I don't care. We actually, do you know when The when the Killing Joke was published? Yes, 88. Oh, well then, yeah. All right, good. Yes, he, step, he definitely read it. All right, then I'm, then I'm going to agree with you. Yes, this is probably a ripoff. <laughs> well, uh, he flashes light into the night sky and uh, then we get like a dragnet style follow up where we find out what happened to the rest of Ervil's crew. Most of them either are in prison or dead or have fled to Mexico to commit more murders. And um, that is the end of Prophet of Evil. Mark, what did you think of Prophet of Evil? Uh, Andrew, I thought this was a pretty average, pretty run-of-the-mill, early 90s, ripped-from-the-headlines TV movie. The thing that this movie definitely has going for it that, like, so, literally last night I watched, uh, The Cheerleader Escort, a Lifetime Channel original film. Sure. Uh, from 2019 about a cheerleader, a freshman in college who finds herself caught up in a prostitution ring. As you do, you know, you look around As one day and you're like, wait, am I, am I a prostitute? Oh, wait, man. Am oh I, man, again? Am I, am I a pimp? Ah, oh, god damn it. In the same way that that is also a very run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, over-the-plate lifetime movie, uh, as is this one. The difference is this movie has a lot of really great actors in it Mm -hmm. that kind of makes it watchable in a way, or at least, you know, enjoyable in a way that uh, modern-day life average movies don't, in my opinion. Like, Brian Dennehy, William Devane, and Jackie Earl Haley, and Brian Cranston, you're like, oh, that's... These are good actors. These are people that know what they're doing. Mm Mm-hmm and are at least committed to the role. Yeah, that's uh, the, that's all the pros of this, is that um, I think pro-wise, acting is great. Brian Denny, he's always great. He's like this very simmering, uh, it, like, just right beneath the surface. You can tell that this guy is unhinged, but you can also see that he has... You can see as, like, a cult leader that he does have this kind of, like, fatherly nature to him that you're like, I can see why people would want to follow him. He's He's got a, he's got a presence to him. Uh, yeah, you can... You, it, unlike other... Like, other movies tend to not be able to walk the... Other movies about cult leaders tend to have trouble walking the line of... Because a cult leader needs to be likable and trustworthy enough that you would follow them, but they also need to be scary enough that you would never leave. Right. And, like, and, Brian Dennehy hits that mark perfectly, as opposed to, like, Waco, 
which was a movie a couple of years, a TV movie a couple of years ago, like the guy, I think it's Taylor Kitsch. You're like, yeah, he's likable enough that I would maybe listen to what he has to say, but I'm not terrified of him the way mm-hmm. that his followers likely were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whereas Brad yeah. Dennehy does it. Yes, uh, he 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 does it very well in this. And then even with the with the, well William Devane, it's like he's he's likable. He's a likable guy. You can root for him. You hope that he succeeds because even though he's just smirking and smiling through this whole thing, and his wife's just giving him the business the entire time, you're like, ah, I I want to I don't want to see this guy fail because he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. He's not, yeah, he, he doesn't, at no point does he seem like a dogged asshole cop, you know? He, he seems like a likable guy that wants to do the best the job that he can. Mm-hmm. And so you root for him. And even, uh, even Brian Cranston, who's playing like a, he, he's a despicable defense attorney. You're like, no, I get it from his perspective. It's his, these are his clients. He needs to do his job to keep it, to keep his client from going to jail. Right. I think the sub the thing that this movie suffers the most from, at least in watching it multiple times, is like, and, and this is I don't necessarily think this is the fault of the screenwriter. It's just that like there's just so many characters and elements to this story that it just it does get a little confusing because so many characters start coming in and out of the story, and it's hard to uh, keep tabs on all of this, especially when like. You know, Ervil is involved in the story, but a lot of it, a, a lot of the action that revolves around him just involves him just sitting in a room being like, yes, go do my bidding. And then they yeah. go and do the bidding. Well, that's, yeah, I, that's, I think that's also like a, a big structural issue with this movie is that it doesn't build to a climax properly. Like, you, you know, I, I know you have to follow the like rules of reality and be, you know, you, you're beholden to that, but like, it should start, you know, act one, you kill, uh, the doctor mm-hmm. act three, you know, they're trying to capture Ervil. And that's why I think that like, I want that scene where the bounty hunters get him. Like, even if you have to change the facts a little bit to have William Devane be more of a part of the like tactical team. Yeah. Like that's, that's your climax, not, you know, a courtroom not not the courtroom scene as it played out like it just it just wasn't working in the second half of the movie for me at all mm-hmm. well i i think you know you have to tie the kid into it and and it's like dan is out there trying to make sure that this cycle doesn't repeat itself i, I think that's the bigger thread of the, the the story but we kind of lose that because he doesn't really have a connection with his own kids uh, maybe or we don't necessarily see there's one like there's like one minor scene where he talks with his kids and there's like a little bit of a back and forth. But beyond that, like I could see them trying to make the point of like Dan screwed up with his own kids. So he's trying to make amends by by making sure that he's putting Isaac on the straight and narrow. And because Isaac ends up killing himself, he feels like a failure, even though he caught Ervil in the end. And it's like, yeah. I guess I could see that, but that thread is not is not told as efficiently as I think maybe the screenwriter was hoping for it to be, if that was his intent. Yeah, if you're going to do the parallel of, you know, both of these men are fathers in their own ways, and both of them are caring for their children in their own ways, you know, like, that, that, could, be, that could be much more interesting, and that could be done 
uh, but yeah, it seems it seems like that was an idea in the back of somebody's head that never really hit the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark, is there? Um, would you recommend Prophet of Evil, the Ervil LeBaron story? I would not recommend it. I would recommend the car crash, the car explosion. <laughs> That's that scene is for me. The whole movie was worth it. Whatever money they spent, whatever time it took to get that, yes, perfect. I don't know. I, I I would recommend it only if you like these kind of. There are people out there that are into these ripped from the headline stories, and if you if you like those kind of movies, and you are a big fan of Brian Dennehy, I'd say go and watch it. I I did not not enjoy it. Uh, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like a thrill a minute, but I didn't I didn't necessarily dislike it as much as I disliked Archie or like. It, this definitely is probably the best of the three that we've watched from the early 90s. Yeah, I would agree, because I picked it. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of the early 90s, Mark, that's going to do it for the Prophet of Evil, the Ervil LeBaron story. However, the month of, the month of April marches on <laughs> till the end of time, as it were. Yeah, and, uh, sure, we're, certainly how it feels. We're going to look at something else. We're going to look at something a uh, little different. No rip from the headline story. We're going to look at some sci-fi action for next time. Uh, it's Oh, my um, God. Are you going to make... Are, are we watching Generation X again? Oh, God, I wish. Uh, it's... it's it's We we peaked too early. The, yes, the peak was too early on our end as well, Mark, with Generation X. No, from... Uh, it is from the Fox Network, but it's from 1993, and it is starring Robert Loja and CCH Pounder. It is entitled Life Pod. Check me, Bean. Can you hear me up there? Check me, Bean. I think we've Maybe. escaped the worst of it. Your job is to keep everybody healthy until the cruiser can pick us up. And I want a complete rundown of all the medical supplies on board. I bet half of them are out of date. And what's your job, sir? There are a lot of critical decisions to be made. You want to give it a try? Delegating risks is not for me. Mr. Banks has got my vote. He is an Earth Corps director. The tech is the only person qualified here to make decisions. Assuming she's still alive. She's not even responding. If she didn't make it, we don't have a chance. She's the only one who can guide this thing. Tech Maybean, what's your status? Maybean? Mark, wow. I, heard that, Andrew, I, heard, I heard that you liked Andrew Alfred Hitchcock. When, when I think of uh, sci-fi and sci-fi actors, first in my mind... Over the Tops, Robert Loja. That's right. Robert Loja, number one, and then The Shields, CCH Pounder, number two. Very, very fast behind. Yes, it is from 1993. It's entitled Life Pod, a sci-fi update of Alfred Hitchcock's Lifeboat, Mark. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Damn you gotta it. Be the master of the thriller brought into the 20... 20- third century i think it's set oh god this is gonna suck 2230 i think Uh, it's gonna be great we're gonna have a great time have have a great time a lot of fun 
Mark, if you'd like to listen to past episodes while while getting your life pod ready, you can always do that by going to soundcloud.com forward slash TV Movie Night Podcast. You can email us at tvmovienightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash tvmovienight. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review there. You can follow us and subscribe on Spotify. And you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher, which allows you to stream podcasts directly to your smartphone. All that information and more at soundcloud.com forward slash TV movie night podcast. Mark, is there anything else? Andrew, I'm having... A vision, oh, a oh, prophecy. Oh, oh. The Lord is telling me, <laughs> yes, I yes, shall not it. wear pants for the next three weeks. Oh. Yes, it shall be done. M- well, Mark, I feel like you've you've been you've been encouraging this prophecy for like the last two months before this, <laughs> and it shall continue. Oh well, if it's God's will, I I I, I guess I guess we all have to live with it. So, um. Just try not to spill a ton of marinara on yourself. Andrew, it is too late. The Lord delivered unto me a lap full of baked ziti. Hmm. Oh, well, I'll, I'll get the, I guess I'll get the hose. Thank you.